Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart, and also Jess Perkins is here. Hello. Hey, Dave. How's it going? Well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. Really good. You did a quite a violent gesture when you pointed to me saying Matt Stewart, and then you full hand point to Jess saying Jess Perkins like you weren't sure we would know who you were talking I about. I actually meant to slap both of you, but I missed <laughs> both times. Oh, that's so, so Dave. So I'm glad you, uh, I was hoping you wouldn't bring it up. That is so yeah. Dave. Oops. Tries to slap and misses. Yes, it's twice. Ah. <laughs> ah, damn it. With your little arms. It's so good to be here uh, at Jess's house recording this podcast. This beautiful, sunny winter's day. You're giving away too much information about the location of my house. <laughs> That's right. They'll be able to <laughs> pinpoint. She does have windows. Pinpoint How the location Matt of the sun. Stop speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I can see a tree. Oh, no, I've you said too much. piece of shit. Sorry. I need all of that beeped. <laughs> Redacted. Redacted. <laughs> hey, Jess, uh, you know, while I'm beeping that, that stuff out, can you explain to the listeners, especially new listeners, what this show is all about? Absolutely. This is a show called Do Go On, and there's three of us, and we take it in turns to uh, research a topic. We bring it back to the other two who don't know what we're going to talk about. Uh, we talk about it, and they make jokes, and look, we all have a good time. 
That's the most important part. It's often suggested by a listener and we always get onto the topic with a question. And Matt, it is your turn to do a report this week. So what is your question? My question is, according to historian Max Nelson, who wrote this in like 2005 or something, what, so it might not be true anymore, but I think it was <laughs> at least to him. That's why I put his name in there because it, someone's probably like, oh, actually, I don't think that is. But okay. anyway, yeah. according what to... is the current year? <laughs> 2005. <laughs> Sorry, Max Nelson, what is the third most popular drink milk seawater no neither of those are correct third most popular third most popular tea. What, what can you tea is tea two tea is number two okay coffee coffee's not on the, in the top water. three water's number one Thank what's number three soda. it's not soda beer. it is beer well fuck done. you dave oh sorry we went for different <laughs> i went competitive and you went supportive Good work. Thanks, Dave. Because I was thinking Coca-Cola's <laughs> got to be up there, but we've, we've done, done it. W- was Cola on the list? Cola wasn't on I am, Max Nelson's list okay. from 2005. I am deeply offended coffee's not there. Yeah, it's interesting. So tea, I, yeah. Guess. I'm not a huge tea drinker myself, though. I love though. tea. I, love, I don't mind an herbal tea. I love a peppermint. Mm. I love an Earl Grey. I think you know that's about me. I do know that about you. Uh, but yeah, no, I love tea. I love coffee too. Don't get me wrong. You're, You're also, drinking one right now. You also love beer. I'd also love beer. I love liquid. How do you love liquid? <laughs> I love liquid. How do you feel about smoothies? I love smoothies. Yeah, how, do you, yeah. how do you feel about soupies? Soupies are pretty good. You're, we're starting to get a little bit further away that, from liquid than I would feel most comfortable. So they're like because you don't like a thick liquid. No, I what mean about like a thick shake. Thick shake's okay. What about Better a, than a milkshake or worse than a milkshake? A thick shake. Oh no, I, yeah, I prefer a smoothie. Is that an option? If, Okay, what about a blended cheese and tomato sandwich? That? No, that sounds gross. Okay, okay, that's interesting. Oh, we just got to find the level here. Put a little bit of milk in there to make it a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why, but I feel you disgusted water? by that. Come on, mate, yeah. get your head out of your Man, ass. I'd, fucking, I'd fucking smash it water right now. Uh, this topic, which I, I don't even think I'll tell you what it is. I don't know. What, you can help me call it something later. But it was suggested by Johnny Dawson from Leicester in the UK, Tyler Edwards from Canton, in Georgia, in the United States, and Lisa from Germany. Um, and it's a story about, and beer is at the center of it. Okay, It's great. not the story of beer, but it's a beer-related story. Okay. Uh, and it begins now. Wow. In November 1967, John Chicky Donahue. Chicky. Chicky is the nickname. That's what I'm going to refer to him for the rest of the report. Chicky. Chicky. Spelt how? C-H-I-C-K-I-E. Chicky. Chicky. Love it. Thank you. Me too. Uh, so, November 1967, John Chicky Donahue was at his local pub, Doc Fiddler's, in Inwood, which is a neighbourhood of Manhattan in New York City. Oh, the NYC. Big Apple. Sitting there asleep. Exactly. You know what okay. I'm talking about. Uh, the bar was run by an army vet named George Lynch, but everyone called him the Colonel. He only ever reached the rank of private first class when he served. (laughs) Demanded to be called Colonel, though. Yeah, just in that bar, the the regulars loved him. They respected him. He was a big uh, army. He loved the army. Apparently, he put up an American flag outside his pub every morning and took down every night, like, you know, like... Yeah, right. Almost ceremoniously. At this time, there was growing anti-Vietnam War sentiment in America. So, this is... It's, a, it's really heating up uh, the war in Vietnam at this point. And uh, the evening news that they were watching, the six o'clock news in the pub, was showing coverage of an anti-war protest at Central Park in New York from that day. 
The colonel and others at the bar were unhappy that the protesters were turning anti-soldier as opposed to just anti-war. I think they were like, you know, be anti-war, but don't take it out on the soldiers. Yeah. Oh, yep. They're like, surely take it out on the politicians who are drafting the soldiers to send over there. But, you know, these soldiers, are, as far as they were concerned, they're just doing their duty. They're just people. They're serving their country. Some yeah. of them are, you know, they're being drafted. It's not even their choice. Um, since Lyndon B. Johnson had taken over the American presidency from JFK, the number of American troops had increased in the conflict from 16,000 to half a million. Whoa. Wow. Lyndon B. Conscripting. Yes. Lyndon <laughs> B. Conscripting. Dave, that was amazing. Thank you. I had to say it because people at home were like, is he going to, they're going to make yeah, a joke about Lyndon, Lyndon B. Joke. after our JFK episode last year? I'd written, um, mine wasn't as good. I'd written, Lyndon be sending lots of troops. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> the worse, the better with Lyndon. Yeah, that's, 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 yeah. that's, that's what I guess Oh, yeah, what that's, why you would, that's why you wrote that. That's, yeah. yeah, just for the comedy effects. You're shit. Have you ever thought something I said was dumb? Um, let me just say, um, I meant it. <laughs> I meant it to be dumb. That's true for me <laughs> as well. Uh, the colonel knew many locals who had served or were currently serving in Vietnam. And he felt the anti-soldier sentiment was unfair. He thought news of this would be demoralising to the young soldiers if they caught wind of it. And he wanted to somehow show them they were supported. I guess he was thinking about the ones coming back as well as the ones over there. You know, if they're seeing this news of with banners saying GIs are murderers and this sort of stuff, it's like, you know... Yeah, you often see like in movies and stuff, them coming back and people spitting on them in the streets. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Is that true? Yeah, I believe That's so. That's how yeah. bad the sentiment was. And you're right. Absolutely. A lot of them are like they've called your birthday and you have to go over and you're like a 19-year-old kid. Young it's kids. Awful. I don't think the lottery had happened at this point, but that did have start happening a couple of years later. Gotcha. It got changed. But at this point, there was a draft still. And it sounds like it was kind of... Um, uh, you could sort of wriggle your way out of it, especially the more privilege you had. You know, like if you had someone who knew someone, they could write a letter and you'd get out of the draft. Gotcha. But in this neighbourhood, apparently, for the most part, if you got drafted, you'd go. Mm. Um, so in his bar that night, the colonel suggested a plan. Uh, there's some things I'm quoting uh, throughout this report, and it's from a, a book written by Chicky about the event. Um, so in the book, it quotes... Uh, it quotes the colonel saying this out to all the the punters in the bar. He said, somebody ought to go over to Nam, track down our boys from the neighbourhood and bring them each a beer. Bring them excellent beer. Bring them messages from back home. Bring them encouragement. Tell them we're with them every step of the way. That was his idea. That's what the colonel was thinking. And this is where John Chicky Donahue comes in. Chicky was a US merchant mariner a civilian seaman who worked on tankers and other commercial ships. <laughs> Jess, if you could just uh, explain to the class why you're I having a giggle there. I tried to conceal the giggle. <laughs> what are we giggling about, please? Seaman. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to not. And then Dave made it obvious I laughed. Sorry, I laughed because you laughed. <laughs> I was being very mature. And then... <laughs> I brought the whole tone down. I'm That's sorry. That's right. Now the whole class has to stay back. <laughs> Damn it. Right. You're going to write semen on the board oh. 100 times. In in what? What colour chalk? Oh, thank God, chalk. <laughs> <laughs> so Chicky was a, mer- a merchant mariner, let's say. And uh, Prior to this, he served in the US Marine Corps for four years from the late 50s into the 60s. As a seaman. 
Yes. He joined at the age of 17. Uh, they rejected his application to rejoin in 1967, citing his old age. He was 26. Too old. So he tried to he tried to re up as he said, but they they're like, nah, you're too old. All right, old man. Wow. <laughs> Come on, grandpa. Jog okay, on. Okay, keep going. Oh, sorry, you probably can't jog on. You'll break a hip. How about you just waddle on <laughs> gently, okay? Fucking hell. Which is interesting because they needed so many. Yeah. Right, sure. You've had a couple of years. They're like, please come back. Take a 26-year-old. That's a young person. And they've been in before. They've got a bit of maturity now. He's seen the world. Come on. I would kill to be 26. Yeah. Kill. Kill. Well, Vietnam, a a war might be the exact place for you. (laughs) But you come home and you're even older than when you left. This is bullshit. (laughs) This is, what the fuck? I said I'd kill to be 26. (laughs) Not for this. Uh, many locals were drafted in the military out of high school at the age of 18. Oh, God, that's so awful. You could even join at 17, though your parents would have to sign a permission slip. Uh, like a field trip in school, a 9,000-mile field trip from which they might never return, as Oof. Chicky later wrote in his book. Yeah. I mean, I guess any field trip could be something you don't return from, can't it, you know? That's why you got to just live every day. Mm, that time that... We uh, lost four people at the Ballarat Sound and Light Show at Sovereign Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Grim day. You didn't go look for them? No, they just didn't make it up back on the bus. But we hear that they set up new lives (laughs) there. There's good schools up in Ballarat. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, Yeah, it's lovely, lovely, actually. Good-sized town. We we did a head count. We were short a few. What are you going to do? 14 is basically 18. Yeah. We'll be right. We round it up. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll quote this book a little bit. It's called The Greatest Beer Run Ever. And it's a great book. I read it both in word form on the page and also noise form in the ears. Right. Is there a third way you're planning to consume it? I also printed out the pages and ate them. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, but, yeah, obviously I don't go into the story as much in as much detail as the book. Fantastic book. Hot tip. Uh, beautifully read in on uh, the Audible Is version. it read by Chicky? It's not read by Chicky. But it's, uh, it's read beautifully, I will cool. say that. Uh, by late 1967, 28 inward locals, and this is a, only a small neighbourhood, uh, 28 inward locals had been killed in Vietnam, most of them in their late teens or early 20s. So real brutal. So I think this is all, all of this wrapped up into them being like, and the protesters have been pretty rough on the yep. on these soldiers. Mm. Um Chiggy thought the colonel was joking with his idea, going over for a beer run to war. He's like, you can't be serious. But then he realized, no, he was dead serious. <laughs> wow. And uh, the colonel, he was like, I'm going to do it myself. He asked Chicky for his uh, semen pass, semen card. <laughs> Look, don't ask any questions, but I need your semen <laughs> card. Which is like, it's an ID that was pretty much used as a passport and for people who were qualified could get work on ships Travel right. around the world. They didn't even need a passport. But it was a photo ID and stuff. And Chicky's like, I That's mean... It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Firstly, you don't look like me. Uh, he's like, I've got red hair and you're 10 years older. And and even if you did get a job, you don't know how to do that work. Yeah. So he's like, that's not going to work. And then he thought about it a little bit more. Maybe had a few more beers. And he started to think, maybe he was the man for the job. After all, he was a merchant mariner. And he had his Siemens card. <laughs> Uh, he could get a job on a ship heading to Vietnam and make this audacious plan a reality. By the following day, word of the plan had gotten around the community. Chicky went back to the bar, got a big cheer from the crowd as he entered. They were, they were like, he's, he's going to do it. He's going to go 
He's going to go say hi for, to our boys for us. Um, he was having second thoughts, though. He's like, <laughs> what did I fucking sign what up for? When the bar starts cheering, yeah. you're carried up into the bar. Cheeky. You can't say, I've had second thoughts. Yeah. This I is actually ridiculous. think this might not be a good idea. <laughs> we love you, Cheeky. <laughs> Um, yeah, and he, you know, when you wake up with a bit of a regret, I woke up the other week, I'd sent a, a nice email to someone I don't know that well, but I'd had a few drinks and I think I was, I was like overly nice and I woke up the next day like, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> Imagine, and I woke up with big regret about, about sending, sending a, a nice, nice email. email. I can't imagine waking up having suggested you would <laughs> sneak into a wall. You thought you were too nice. What's the consequence of that? Oh, just, you know, uh, you know when you open up a bit too much? Yeah. To someone who you you don't know that well yet? I love to be earned. No, I don't at all. It's gross. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I thought at the time I was being... Yeah, anyway, just the right amount of nice. Yeah. But you were too nice. Or, yeah, that's the fear. But I think the part of the hangover is also like... Yeah. That's a dropping away of self-confidence and other <laughs> yeah, things yeah, as well. Yeah. Yep. So they were, the locals are excited. They're, they're cheering him on. So he's like, all right, I, I'm, I guess I'm going to do it. And he started compiling a list. So there were a few people with, you know, their sons were over there. It's like, you got to go say hi to my son. And he knew all these people. Uh, he compiled the list and they also gave him, you know, their unit numbers or whatever. And that's all he had. So the list was Tommy Collins, Joey McFadden, Rich Reynolds, Kevin McClune, Rick Duggan and Bobby Pappas. Oh, some good names in there. Yeah, I love them all. Uh, it was a small, close-knit community. Chicky knew all of these guys well. So, like Bobby Pappas, for instance, was one of his best mates growing up, but he knew he knew them all. Some of them were younger brothers of his mates yep. and, and whatever. Um, so he was now up for the mission, but he had great doubts that he'd even be able to pull it off. Like, yeah. what are the odds that I can, you know, I can get to Vietnam on a ship probably. If I get the right job, but what are the odds that I can just walk into a war yeah. zone? Oh my god! Uh, the next day, he went down to the National Maritime Union Hall to go about getting a job on a Vietnam-bound ship. In the hiring hall, a board listed the ships that were in the port and what positions were vacant. So oh, yep. it'd be, you know, a big chalkboard or whatever list of the different boats. I don't even think it said the destinations, but it said, "Oh, we need a, an oiler, or we need a, yeah. you know, whatever." Any a pod- cook. podcast jobs going? We need a we we need a podcast uh, trio. Trio. <laughs> we only go as a three. <laughs> That's right. I'll never leave you, <laughs> Dave. You do have to leave my house at some point today, though. I right? will not. Okay. I refuse. All right. I'll Nothing get the I'll... fold out bed for you. <laughs> Thank you. Please fold it out. Every time I try. So accommodating, Bob. Well, this is why he doesn't yeah. get the things. <laughs> I don't. Know, I haven't paid rent in months. I don't know how to say. I don't know how to say no to him. He's so cute. All his stuff's in storage. <laughs> I don't think he has a home. <laughs> yeah, I do. Right here <laughs> with the three of us. <laughs> Where do you think I go at night? You go for a long walk <laughs> for about a week at a time. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, he's got this big board. Showing jobs that are vacant, what ships are in. Then he went in and, and, and there was also someone to come out and call out for ships. Uh, this ships. Ships! This ship's in the... Ships! This ship's talking. <laughs> ships, do you want them? We got them. We got ships. <laughs> you get a ship. <laughs> so someone came out and they the call came out. The Drake Victory is short an oiler. And this was a job that Chicky was qualified for. He was qualified for a few different jobs. Cool. He'd done a few different jobs. An oiler was one of them. Basically just oiling in the end, working in the engine room. Lubing. Lubing it up. Keeping it oiled. <laughs> just a lubing semen. Yeah, exactly. Oh 
Uh, the Drake was a refurbished <laughs> World War II ship. Its job was delivering ammunition to the American forces in Vietnam. Okay, that's where he wants to go. Exactly. <gasps> okay. But the ship was leaving Im- imminently, and Chicky got the gig. They were they were about to leave short one oiler, and he he goes, I can I can do that, and they're like, all right. But we're going now. You'll have to swim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, le- they left half an hour ago. <laughs> Someone get the dinghy. <laughs> um, How fast can you canoe? <laughs> Just watching a man canoe after a big No, what they tanker. do is they put him on a missile <laughs> and they shoot him to the boat from another boat. So they shoot a missile at the ammunition-filled boat. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a blank one, though. It's a blank one. It's a blank one. And also, they they shoot it just to the left, yeah. and he just has to jump off at the and right time. And he veers a little bit left to really make sure. Yeah. He puts, yeah. he, he puts his... He's still got an oar. <laughs> and he just... He paddles to the left to make sure it... He's paddling. <laughs> he's got a paddle in one hand and what, a six-pack for the boys under the other. <laughs> yeah. Six. For the boys. <laughs> I'm coming, Tommy Donahue. <laughs> yeah, he forgot that he said one of his friends' name, first names and his surname. Yeah. <laughs> he was losing it. <laughs> I'm coming, Tommy Donahue. <laughs> I'm a seaman and I'm... Uh, so he got the gig, but he didn't have enough time to head home to pack. So he quickly rushed to a nearby shop and bought a razor and some socks. Well, then, what do you need? <laughs> That's how I travel. <laughs> well, yeah, he purchased one other thing. Um, he went to a bar and bought a mixed slab of local New York beers, including brands such as Paps Blue Ribbon, Schaefer, Schlitz, Peels, Ballantyne, and Rheingold. He then saw a payphone and made a quick call to his parents to let him uh, let them know he was heading off for a while. Uh, when they asked where he was going, he replied vaguely saying, Asia. He'd been... He, <laughs> he'd been to Vietnam before. He didn't want to let his. He didn't want to worry. His parents were saying, "Oh, I'm just sneaking into a war." Um, and even when he was there, he he never. When he served, he never really saw action. He was on the perimeter of the war. He was sort of. I think. He, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was just stayed on the boat or whatever. But mm. he didn't go inland at all. Uh, anyway, with that, he hopped on the Drake, and less than forty eight hours after the Colonel floated this wild idea, set sail for Vietnam. Wow. wow. Isn't that wild? That That's, is. With a pair of socks and a razor? Yeah. That's all. Like, the clothes on his back. He checks in there. They're like, what? One what? spare pair of socks now and a razor to have a shave. No spare jocks. Yeah, no spare jocks. <laughs> Where's no your change stuff? of clothes. I don't have any stuff. And then he's got this slab of beers and then doesn't drink them. <laughs> doesn't drink them. Well, it's funny. There's He's told the story diff- differently a couple times already because sometimes he says he drank them on the way over, but... I think officially in his book anyway, he stores them in the right at the back of the the ship's fridge, and leaves he leaves them there for the. Oh, so they're trip. cold. That's good. Nice. Um, can he uh, like? Surely he could buy clothes and stuff on the boat. Warships have. Yeah, it's a P and O warship. Yeah, yeah. So there's like a kiosk. There's like a little clothing shop. So like, like, like a gambling exactly. area. Exactly. It might be yeah. like it might not be his taste, but he'd at least be able to get a couple yeah. of t-shirts. He might have to wear a magnet or something. Yeah. <laughs> he might have to wear a magnet. Yeah. Or a tea towel or something. Yeah, that's right. But tea towels can make very good underwear. Oh, in a he could fashion it. Only extra small, or extra extra large Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. So up to you. Yeah, that'll do. So after a brief stopover in Panama. 
I think they went across the Panama Canal. Oh, Panama. Right. Yes. You didn't oh, say yeah. cane all this time. I can't help. If I read it and I read it in this book a few times, I, my brain just wants to say cane all. Maybe it's because you also heard it in this book a few times. Yeah, that helped. Maybe I've, I'm learning. Mm. Hey? Like Proud a, of you. I'm like a learning robot. <laughs> That's what I think of myself as. Yeah. So after a brief stopover in Panama, they sailed across the Pacific Ocean to Vietnam. The trip was relatively excitement-free, apart from when the ship caught fire. And when you're sailing on a ship carrying 10,000 tonnes of ammunition, fire is not ideal. Yeah, especially if you're the oil guy. Yeah. You're probably covered in flammable liquid. So there was smoke coming out and they were trying to figure out where it was coming from. Apparently before that, they were fighting over who did what duties and stuff. But he's like, when we saw that fire, we all worked as a team to put it out. (laughs) And there there were no arguments after that for the rest of the trip. Uh, The crew worked in shifts, four hours on, eight hours off, four hours on, eight hours off, over and over for weeks on end. And Chicky pulled many double shifts. So he was doing eight hours on, eight hours off or whatever. Well, probably eight eight hours on, four hours off if he's doing double shifts. Then on January 19th, 1968, after eight weeks at sea, the Drake Victory dropped anchor in South Vietnam's Quy Nhon Harbour. Despite being docked in the harbour, the seamen were still required to work their shifts because they had to keep the ship maintained. He yeah, had to right. keep oiling that engine. Had to be... Um, keep oiling. Keep oiling it. But with all his double shifts, he'd banked up enough favours to cover three days away if he could get permission. Chicky naively thought three days would be enough time for him to find his friends. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so that's all right. Three days. How half, big can Vietnam be? Yeah, well, I mean, it's only South Vietnam as well. Ah. What is it? We're talking about half a day per person. Yeah. You're like, you come come to Australia, you're in Victoria, Mm. right? Second smallest state. Easy peasy. You've got three days to find six people, no problem. No fucking problem, mate. Yeah. Easy. I mean, you know their their regiment numbers or whatever? Yeah. How hard can it be? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I I, I take back that question. I think it's easy. Two days. He's he's taking a leisurely stroll. Yeah. Yeah. Third days for vacation. For rest. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's when he buys souvenirs. <laughs> Magnets, etc. Yeah. He needs so, new clothes. So, so there was no plan. Uh, he didn't know where they were. Apart, I mean, he knew they were in South Vietnam. <laughs> Great. I mean, you just narrowed down, you know, there's a, about 200 other countries they're not in. Yeah. Easy. That's right. Yeah. Ready to go. It doesn't have enough waste time there. I'm in the right area. Yeah. Uh, he also didn't have a change of clothes, as we've discussed. All he had was what he was wearing, a pair of jeans and a short sleeve button-up check shirt. Uh, and he's been wearing it for eight weeks. Yes. <laughs> uh, in the book he wrote, I'd thrown on clothes I knew would be cool in the ship's engine room, and I hadn't really planned out a travel wardrobe for Vietnam. <laughs> just hadn't really thought about it. I mean, it happened really quick mm. since he got the job to... He just didn't have a lot of time to think about it. He sought permission from the ship's captain to take three days leave. He had to spin a story about how his stepbrother was in Vietnam serving and he needed to give him some sad news and wanted to do it face to face. The captain grilled him, gave him a bit of a hard time, thought he was maybe full of shit. But in the end, he said, you can, you can go on the strict condition, you're back on the ship in three days' time, 8 a.m. sharp. Okay. Um, he's like... And don't get killed. I can't be bothered with the paperwork. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> oh, that's a great scene. Uh, so with his backpack, with beer, socks and a razor, Chicky headed out into Vietnam. The first Americans he saw were some military police 
whose job it was to guard American ships in the harbour. He noticed that their helmets had the insignias of the 127th MP Company. Checking his list, he realised it was Tommy Collins's unit. No. He asked the soldiers if they knew Collins, and they did, saying they were about to relieve his shift. (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) So, like, so freaking lucky. Due to security reasons, the seamen on the Drake Victory weren't told where they'd be docking in Vietnam. But out of pure coincidence, they landed right on the doorstep of the first man on his list. Top of the list, Tommy Collins. He found him within... Seconds. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) He couldn't believe it. And when he called out to his New York buddy, Tommy Collins couldn't believe it either. He asked what the hell Chicky was doing there. And Chicky handed him a beer saying, quote... This is from the Colonel and me and all the guys and Doc Fiddlers. <laughs> we all talked about it and we decided that somebody ought to come over here and buy you guys a drink in appreciation for what you're doing. Well, here I am. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, I've died and I'm in a dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what yeah. the hell. Apparently Tommy was gobsmacked. He's like, what the hell is going on? I think on? that's a fair reaction. Then he opened the beer, knocked it down in one go. And is Tommy having a beer with him? Like he, like cheers? Chicky. Chicky, Chicky. sorry, sorry. Is Chicky having a... Yeah, I think, yeah, they're sharing the beers. And uh, then Chicky took Tommy and some of his soldier mates out to a bar that night and they drank and caught up until the bar closed. Then they went back to the barracks and drank and sang Irish folk songs into the wee hours. <laughs> then all of a sudden, in the, in the middle of the night, you know, they're causing a bit of a ruckus. A lieutenant comes out yelling at them, asking, what the hell are you doing? People trying to sleep. Uh, you're all drunk here. What's going on? Tommy and the others <laughs> snapped to attention as well as they could in their inebriated condition. But Chicky was feeling cheeky. And he snapped back, Lieutenant, on what authority are you questioning these men? We're on a, we're on a particular mission here tonight. And I suggest you return to your <laughs> barracks. Chicky, you cheeky bastard. Somehow, to the surprise of all involved, this worked. Oh, my God. Chicky had no idea why, but later, after other high-ranking officials paid him similar unearned respect, someone explained to him, they think you're CIA, because why the hell else would you be here? (laughs) In jeans and a plaid shirt, no less. (laughs) You couldn't be some sort of... You're not a tourist, are you? So, they're all thinking he's he's on some secret business. He's undercover, sort of, just getting around. And that's so... It happened on numerous occasions... That high-ranking soldiers just uh, let him go about whatever he was doing. And that was a big part. He just sort of lucked onto this, but that was a big part of how he was able to make his way around Vietnam. That is amazing. Bright and early the next morning, Chihi continued on his journey. Amazingly, while at the bar the night before, he noticed a big Texan sergeant who wore a similar insignia of one of the other men on his list, Rick Duggan. The Texan didn't know Duggan, but knew his Bravo company was up in Arn K and he offered to fly Chicky up there on a mail run the next morning, <laughs> which was now when it was. He's like, oh, yeah, I can fly you up. And he's like, I don't have any papers because you, you needed to show papers to travel inside Vietnam and especially on army planes and whatever. Look fair. Uh, and he didn't have those, obviously. Huh. But the Texan was like, that's all right. I'll take you up anyway. Uh, they flew around 40 miles northwest and Chicky jumped out with the bags of mail before the Texan took off again. So he just jumped out, the mail was dumped, and uh, uh, the, the ten- Texan sergeant flew. 
Unfortunately, the Bravo company and Duggan had already left RK that morning, though. So his luck run out a little here. Damn. Yeah, so it was so close to just going bang, bang. But, um, yeah, he'd missed them by a couple of hours. <sighs> Chicky was told they'd headed north closer to the demilitarized zone at the North Vietnam border. This was around 200 miles away from where Chicky found himself. There were still a few soldiers around packing down the camp, including a, a tent with a sergeant who was about a mile away, he was told. So Chicky hiked up there and he found a sergeant who took pity on him when he spun a story about Duggan being his stepbrother and that he needed to talk to him. That was the story he told generally. He would be more honest with lower, like, privates and lower Yeah, he was here for a couple of beers with the boys and then, yeah, no, he's my stepbrother. And I've <laughs> yeah. got t- terrible news that I, I simply must tell him. So the sergeant agreed to let him fly up to see Duggan, despite the fact he didn't have the right papers, obviously, or any business being in the war zone at all. All Chicky had to do to get on this plane was hike back to the airfield before it took off within an hour. So he had to sort of rush back now. And he was hurrying along in the recently abandoned area, which to me is like, that's pretty eerie in itself. Yeah. Down a dirt road in the jungle. Is he on foot? On foot. And he's, you know, he's... No one knows he's there, really. Yeah. Um, he's all alone. He doesn't know what's going on in the areas around him either. He doesn't know why everyone's abandoned that space. Yeah. You know, he doesn't know anything. Um, so he's he's sort of doing a, a power walk down the dirt road to try and catch this plane when a Jeep approached. And so Chicky asked if he could hitch a ride. This is how we got around. It was all hitching either cars or planes or helicopters. The driver said, holy Christ, Chick. What the hell? Get fucked. It was Kevin McLoon, another friend from the list. You're Get it. absolutely fucked. This is true. This is, this is amazing. Have you read a novel? Yeah. <laughs> it was in the fiction section, which I thought was weird. Wow. Uh, he explained the trip and handed Kevin a beer. <laughs> Kevin's like, I'm driving. <laughs> Okay, so I'll hold the beer for you. Let me know when you want to sip. I think Kevin said something like, ooh, do I dare drink and drive? And then laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, I don't know if I could. Just kidding. I'm in a a war. What's the worst could happen? Is everyone else on the Jeep like... The beers for us. Yeah, they all. The other two guys got beers, and they were like, "What the fuck? What the hell's going <laughs> just on?" Picked up a dude. Who they couldn't beers. believe it either. Like, yeah, they were like, "What?" And then he tells the story, and they're like, "You're kidding!" Like everyone, it's this isn't like some. Oh, in the sixties, this sort of stuff was done. Everyone there was like, "This is fucking wild." Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> the, they had a bit of a catch up. Uh, Chicky was able to fill in Kevin on what was going back home. And uh, but Chicky was stunned. He's like, the clock's ticking now. He's, he'd been there a day by this stage, and he only had two more days. Yeah, but he'd already found. He'd already found two, two a third of his a list, third on the way. Yeah, and um, but he's like, I, I've really got to keep going. I, I've, um, I, I need to catch this plane. Would, would you be able to get me there? And he's like, no worries. And Kevin fanged it apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Took another plane. They said their goodbyes, and they're like, oh, amazing. This is real cool. Uh, so he got on the plane. Two young GIs were also on, on board and he asked if they knew his friend Rick Duggan. They did. <laughs> they were in the same company. I mean, this is less of a coincidence because he knew this yeah, plane yeah, yeah. was going to where uh, that uh, where Duggan was. Uh, but then 
so they were they were a couple of privates, I think, or you know, lower ranking soldiers. So he told the truth. He's like, I'm over here. I'm gonna. I'm delivering a beer to Duggan. <laughs> uh, and one of them was like, "That is sick, man." <laughs> but the other one, who was quite young, he apparently didn't want to have anything to do with him after that. He's like, "This sounds like trouble. I'm. I'm not involved in this." Like, yeah, I can understand that. I guess. Uh, once they landed. They were still a fair way from the final destination, but he knew that if he followed the two GIs, they'd lead him straight to Duggan. When he tried to catch a helicopter to landing zone Jane, a corporal asked for his rank. They're like, you got to sign in a document to get on the planes. He said, my name's uh, Chicky Donahue. <laughs> and he's like, and rank? He said, oh, uh, civilian. <laughs> and the corporal was like, what? And he got suspicious. He's like, why would you be here? And he said, oh, look, you're going to have to... I'm not the highest ranking officer here. I can't okay this. You're going to have to talk to the major. He's sort of like going, oh, this isn't my problem. I don't, I don't want to deal with this. So I'll let Chicky take the story up from here, from his book. <laughs> the major turned to me and said, you want to go to LZ Jane, landing zone Jane? Where are you coming from? From down south, sir, I said. I've got to see someone at LZ Jane. I wasn't keeping it vague on purpose, but it worked in my favour. I see, said the major. And he gave me a knowing look. It was the CIA effect working its magic again. Oh, my I God. i got to see someone wink, wink. It's like it, all he's saying, I need to shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to see a man about it. I've got to see someone at Landing Zone Jane. <laughs> ah, say no more. Yeah, it's a code brown, sir. Roger that. So the major replies, okay, right, I understand. <laughs> and he turned to the corporal, said, corporal, put Mr. Donahue on the list. And then he, he turned back to Chicky, said, did you eat yet? And I said I hadn't. So the major put his arm around me, led me to the mess tent, and we dined together. What? <laughs> During the meal, he told me about what they'd been up to up there. I couldn't believe I was sitting there dining with a major. I went into the Marines a private, and four years later, I came out a private. But I was a four-star general when it came to slinging BS. <laughs> At one point, he leaned over and asked furtively, can you tell me a little bit about what's going on? Sure, I'd be glad to, I said. See, I have a stepbrother, Rick, who's in Bravo Company, and I'm going to bring him a beer. With that, the Major burst into laughter and shook his head. You guys from Saigon are all alike, he said. <laughs> you keep everything to yourselves. <laughs> yeah, you see, uh, I came here all the way from New York to give a guy a beer. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. If you don't want to tell me, you don't want to tell me. I shouldn't have asked. I shouldn't have asked. Don't have to make up crazy stories. That's that's a good one, sir. That's amazing. So I guess CIA was based in Saigon or what's now Ho, Ho Chi Minh City. Saigon was the you know the capital of South Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, from dinner, Chicky headed straight to the helicopter to catch his flight. On board, another little quirky tale occurred, and I'll let Chicky tell this one too. <laughs> this one's pretty silly, but... I thought worth telling. I thought you'd get a little kick out of it. Okay, okay. We'll but see. let's see. I want to get a little chick out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Chicky. You fly with the doors wide open. And I have to admit, about halfway to Pleiku, I was scared. We were headed to Hai Lang up in Quang Tri province, less than an hour away from the demilitarized zone. We were not over friendly territory. Now, a little thing I did not know about choppers is how much the wind rushes inward. And I must confess, I passed gas. The pilots and the GIs made a big deal out of it. I guess it was bad. <laughs> so the pilot cut off the engine. He yelled, Okay, everybody out now. This is unbearable. And we started to drop. <laughs> what? I thought we were going to crash into enemy territory. I was totally freaking out. 
Then the pilots looked at each other and started roaring with laughter. They turned the engine back on and we swooped up. They'd been busting my chops. <laughs> I mean, how bad is... Prank! Good one. I thought we were going to die. Prank. How bad does your fart have to be? The air running, yeah. rushing in from the outside doesn't blow. You know, when you put you pull down the window in the car and it's enough. But this, that's a hell of a fart. <laughs> I, think, I think he shat his pants. I think, I think maybe some of that uh, dinner he had with your major was that it yeah, that's right. didn't sit I mean, right. No, in fairness, this is a man who's been wearing the same underwear for 10 weeks at this point. And he's also living on a diet of beer. Yeah. yeah it'd be pretty, yeah. pretty rough stuff, I think. <laughs> Prank. But also, like, you're in a war. <laughs> should, we be, should we be pranking? You know what I mean? Especially, like... Let's not turn the engines off. Let's not. Just plummeting from the sky. Yeah. Prank. All right, that's it. This fight is so bad, I'm going to kill us all. <laughs> it's everybody out. Yeah. Everybody yeah. out is funny. Yeah, oh, that is good. All right, everybody out. That that's fa- good stuff. That fight has made me welcome death. <laughs> <laughs> We've all had farts that have made us welcome death, okay? (laughs) Well, on that fun note, uh, we'll be back right after this message. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. (laughs) Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. All right. So he's, he's caught the plane, done a big fart. <laughs> that is... Chops busted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when they arrived in Quang Tri province, a sergeant major greeted them and they asked the two GIs he was with, who's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's the stinky man? Who the fuck man? is this? this who's this stinks. increasingly stinky guy? This guy smells like shit. Who the fuck is he? <laughs> Did you fart? <laughs> the young wary GI replied, I don't know. I don't have anything to do with him. He's just been following us. Oh, God. He's just like so I've never seen that man before in my life. 
Luckily, when Chicky told his story and how he was there to give Duggan a beer, the Sergeant Major found it hilarious and wanted to play along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you CIA boys. <laughs> okay, give a beer. All right. Uh, despite now being in a particularly dangerous part of the war zone, the, so they're right up north, getting a lot closer to the border of North and South Vietnam. Um, the Sergeant Major called Duggan back to the base. He was out on patrol. And he radioed, he said, hey, come back. There's someone who needs to see you. I need you back here. And then he got Chicky to hide in a foxhole, put a tarp over him. <laughs> when Duggan got back, he was like, you needed to see me? And Sergeant Major said, I don't need to see you. And he pulled the canvas off. He said, but he does. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, another prank. So oh, many places prank. you could hide. <laughs> and then apparently everyone cracked up and Duggan was like, the, what the hell, Chicky? What are you doing here? It's what? Are, yeah, I can't, I don't understand it. Duggan was like, uh, "What am I meant to do with him?" And Sergeant Major replied, "Take him with you. He's your problem now. I know. He, all I know is he can't be here." Uh, Rick looked at Chicky and handed him a poncho and said, "Put this on. That outfit is like wearing a sign that says, shoot me. I'm from New York.'" <laughs> that night, Chicky slept in a foxhole on the very outer perimeter of their base. Through the night, Duggan and the others took turns keeping watch. So this is like real serious business. They were out there checking the perimeter um, in shifts. Chicky didn't. He, he was. He, he was. Chicky's like, I'm a civilian. They were, I can't, mate. I can't. One of the others handed him a gun, like just in case. And Chicky's like, uh, I don't. I don't want that. You know, I'm more likely to accidentally shoot someone than do any good with it. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, but he was like, I can't sleep. He's like, when they hand him the gun, like the gravity of it all sunk in. He's like, holy shit. It took him that long to realize that he'd actively gone to a war zone yeah. to deliver beers. <laughs> there were Some of these other soldiers are like, hang on a second. You don't have to be here and you are? What yeah. are you doing? Um, so, yeah, anyway, he, he couldn't sleep. Whereas his mate, Rick Duggan, he's like, how do you sleep here? Knowing what's going on. And Duggan's like... You get four hours at a time to sleep, so you sleep. And he, like, fell asleep straight away. It just, he just uh, knew he had to, I guess. Um, and it, I guess it, you know, it gets normalized in time. Yeah. Uh, and he was probably just a badass as well. <laughs> uh, in the night, members of the North Vietnamese army were spotted on the perimeter and Duggan and the other soldiers snapped into action. Chicky was handed the only spare weapon they had, a grenade launcher. <laughs> Oh, if you give me this gun, I'll probably, I probably—I don't know what to do. I might with hurt it. somebody. I, I couldn't. He's a grenade launcher, and he don't like he was in the Marines for four yeah, years. That's he, true, he, yeah. he knew how to use a gun, but, but yeah, he was just—I think he was a lover. You know, he, does, he didn't want to. Okay, I'm, I'm a beer delivery boy. Okay, the only weapon we've got here's the keys to that tank. <laughs> do you know how to sticky. drive a stick? Yeah, it's a little sticky in third gear. Oh my god, a grenade launcher! Sorry. That's very funny. That's so good. But he he didn't use it. He just laid low and let the the gunfight happen, which it did. There was machine gunfire coming in both directions, Whoa. and it raged on. He was like, it went on for for ages. Uh, but they all made it through to the morning alive. At least people on his side. I, I guess he didn't know if what happened on the northern side. Then Chicky went out with Duggan and his crew as they. Um, did a inspection around the area to make sure 
no one was there or whatever, then hiked back to the base. That night they shared some of the beers. So Duggan was like, glad you're here, but we can't drink the beers out here. We've got to do some pretty important work and we can't yep. be a little tipsy. Mm. Uh, but the next night they were back in the centre of the base and others were on the perimeter. So they. But is that the final night? And he's only found three of them. Which, in hindsight, incredibly found anyone at all. Oh, my God. And how quickly he found them. Insane. Yeah. The next morning, Duggan was being sent off to another location. So they said their goodbyes. Duggan's like, you can't come with me this time. And you probably don't want to anyway. Because it's it's only getting more hectic from here. It had now been four days since Uh. Chicky left the ship. And he was meant to be back in three. So he jumped on the only available helicopter. Duggan hooked it up. He's like, I need, I need to help get this guy out of here. And he's like, where's this one heading? And it was heading east. He's like, oh, I need to go south to get back to my ship. And Duggan was like, well, beggars can't be choosers here. Yeah, get just, on the helicopter. Just get, get the hell out of get here because this chopper, is going to be... Is what he said. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's not a tumor. <laughs> what? Not that, a tumor. that doesn't make any sense. After So he jumped on that plane, headed east, then he got on another plane uh, and ended up in Phuket. Uh, now getting desperate to get back to his ship, he decided to walk the final 17 miles. It was night time. Oh, my God. The base he arrived at, they're like, you can't, you can't make it there tonight. You can grab a bunk and sleep. He went to the bunk. He's like, I could not sleep. I was too nervous about getting back to the ship. So he got up. And in darkness, he headed off down a dirt road. What the fucking hell? He only made it about a mile down there. And a woman saw him and did a blood-curdling scream. Jesus. And he's like, oh, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. A woman sees you and screams. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, that's an interesting uh, instinct he's had. And uh, so he decided to turn back. He said he's never forgotten that scream and... And the feeling that he was the reason for the scream. Like, he feels awful about it. Um, The next day, he was glad he turned back. He went back, slept in the bunk. He's like, all right, I'll have to try in the morning. He hitched a ride in a Jeep down that same dirt road. And he was glad he didn't carry on on foot the night before because he realized and he was told that at night time, the Viet Cong own that strip. Like, they're they're all over it at the night time. No Americans go down that. It's oh, sort of a no-go zone at night time. And as he went down, he's like, oh, I'm just looking at all these spots where I could have easily been captured. And Oh, my God. He's like, if I got caught, at best, I don't get killed and I'm a prisoner of war for years after yeah. that. So he's like, just thanking his lucky stars. Oof. Um, so he headed back to the Quy Non port in the relatively a relative safety of the Jeep. But when he arrived, he found that the Drake Victory had left without him. No, they yeah. didn't wait even a day. It was ahead of schedule, and they apparently it's the biggest uh, no-no to do is to uh, to to go missing from your ship and not come back on time. Right? They're like they can't they wait for no man sort of thing. Luckily, oh, he didn't okay. leave all of his clothes and everything on there because he didn't have anything <laughs> yeah. anyway. He still got his socks. He's got his socks and a razor. They did a head count. They counted seventeen. <laughs> Seaman, and like, that's ah, basically 18. Yeah. Uh, he found out that his ship was on its way back to America via Manila in the Philippines. So he, f- he went about figuring out a way to catch up with it. Unfortunately, though, he was about to get bogged down in bureaucracy. He was told he needed a visa to be able to leave the country and that 
to get a visa, he needed a passport, which he didn't have. He's like, how quickly can I get this? I'm trying to catch up with my ship. They're like, it takes as long as it takes. Could be two, three, four days. We don't know. And he's like, oh, all right. So by this point, he had to get to Saigon or Ho Chi Minh City, the capital, to get all this done. That's where the American embassy was. Mm. He tried to catch a ride down on a plane, but was refused as he didn't have the right papers, as he never did. This hadn't been an issue much before, <laughs> but that was mainly because of the whole CIA yeah. effect. Yeah. But what if I told you I work for the CIA? <laughs> That's not what a CIA person would say. I They'd mean, say they were delivering a beer to a friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I rec- know the code. <laughs> he reckons that the mistake he made was he said, oh, I've got to get to the embassy. And they're like, the embassy? Well, that's a weird thing for a CIA person to say. And he reckoned that's what made them think he was actually just a weird civilian. Uh, luckily, he found a pilot that took pity on him. Uh, the pilot was like, all right, look, don't tell anyone, but if I once I board the plane, there's a bunch of other people getting on. If I give you a signal, a hand signal, come on, don't say anything, sit down and shut up. Okay. What, was, what was the signal like? Fuck off. <laughs> don't, don't get on. Don't get on don't the get plane. On. Yeah. Flipping the bird. Don't. 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 And he's like, the signal, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As he boarded the plane, the pilot whispered to him, just do me one favor. When you get to Saigon, have a bath. <laughs> <laughs> he said that. Yeah. And he said, okay, thank he you so much. He must have smelled so bad. Yeah. Like, because it's a very sweaty sort of oh, jungle yeah. climate that he's been mm. walking through. Oh, and, my and God. And he does not have any clothes. No. Two pairs of socks, though. Yeah. So at least he's got a sock rotation. So you're not getting trench foot. Do you think you're putting, like, one pair of socks on your feet and a sock on your dick? Sock on your cock. <laughs> Damn it! Why'd I say dick? <laughs> Red actually chili pepper style. Yeah. Sock cock. Cock sock. Uh, once in Saigon slash Ho Chi, Minh, Ho Chi Minh City, he went to the American embassy and started the slow process of getting a passport, which would then allow him to get a visa, which would then allow him to make it back, fly to Manila and catch his ship home, catch up with his ship. As he was in the Maritime Union, uh, he received $40 a day while he was stranded there. So he could at least afford basic food and rent. In the time there. So he was like so glad I was in the union. If he was there not being part of the union, he would have had to find work or, or, you know, battled a way to survive. So, yeah, in this case, he could actually have a bath. Yes. Thank God. Yeah, I think he said he did that. that He kept his promise and he had a bath. That's good. Uh, He settled into life in the South Vietnam capital, socializing, enjoying the bars. He talked a bit about uh, this bar that was run by Australians. He had a great time there. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, he sort of spent his time all around the city. He eventually found a, uh, a less touristy part of the city where he could get cheaper rent. Um, and you know, he was, he's like, it was a beautiful, it was an amazing, colorful city. Uh, then he started his, uh, the process of getting his visa. He had to first wait for the passport, mm. took a week, but it arrived. Then he went, got the visa. The guy at the embassy who was helping him was like, it cost 900 bucks to get a visa. Four. And it kind of sounded like it was basically a, like a, an official bribe to the South Vietnam government. Yeah, uh, and he's wow. like, I don't have 900 bucks. And the guy at the embassy went and got the cash. Apparently the, the, the US embassy would give the cash. He didn't give him the cash, but he, someone from the embassy went with him to pay for the visa. Um, Whoa. Which was lucky, obviously. I guess they were like, we'd prefer you to get out of here here, as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Frankly, we're embarrassed you made it in. Yeah, it yeah. <laughs> yeah. does not look good for us. Please don't write a book about this. He wanted to find the other guys on his list, but unfortunately he needed a check-in with the consulate each day to um, find out when his visa got there to have any chance of getting to right, Manila and catching okay. up with his ship. So I had to stay local. Finally, after checking in at the consulate each day, his visa arrived. The clerk then said, or the clerk then said, that's the good news. Unfortunately, the bad news is your ship has already left Manila. Ah. And he was like, yeah, I probably could have guessed that. This took fucking ages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this red tape. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, luckily, though, the clerk said another ship was going to be leaving Manila in a few days and he'd organised with the captain to take Chicky on and they had a flight booked to Manila for him the next morning. So he was... Brilliant. And again, a bit of luck. He's had a bit... He's had, uh, you know, a couple of bits of bad luck, but mainly he's had a very yeah, lucky run. Yeah, he's had a bit of a dream run and people so, have been quite helpful. Yeah, that's right. Um, and sounds, was, sounds like he's a bit of a friend, a friendly and fun guy. So yeah. People like him straight away. Apparently in his neighbourhood in New York, he's just known by everyone and everyone seems to really like yep. him. It's just... That kind of guy, I guess, which, yeah, is probably what helps yeah. get you around in, in these sort of scenarios. So he was very relieved. He's like, all right. So I just, uh, I've got to sleep tonight, get up in the morning, I'm on my way home. Um, I didn't see all the guys, but I saw some and, you know, it's amazing what, I, what I've done. Great. Uh, he decided to go out to celebrate his last night in Vietnam. By chance, Saigon... <laughs> was ready to party with him as it was their New Year's. According to Chicky, it was the Lunar New Year, which lasts for days. They told me it was called Tet and that it's a bigger deal than ours. The Vietnamese travel back to their home villages and visit family and honour their ancestors. The reporters hanging out at the Caravel Bar, that's the Aussie one, I think, had told it. So, yeah, he'd hang out with the journalists who were there covering the story and all uh, that sort yep. of stuff. They talk, they talk about this as the TV war because... Uh, I think the U.S. Army has now stopped that from happening, but there the reporters were sort of roaming free and they, there was a lot of coverage going back into yeah. America. So talking to the journalists at the bar, they told us that Ho Chi Minh and General Jap had sought a Tet holiday truce and that President Johnson had agreed to it. Lyndon B. agreeing to a truce. <laughs> uh, Chicky got back to his accommodation at 3 a.m., He'd organised for a wake-up call at 5am. Oh, no, Chicky. So we went out partying. It was New Year's Eve, you know, there was a bit of atmosphere around. What do you want him to do, Dave? Go to bed early? Get a good night's sleep? Have a bath? Come on, you're being yeah. unreasonable. I don't know, Chicky. I mean, he got back two hours before he was meant to wake up. Yeah. That's something. Uh, so, yeah, he, he, he had a wake-up call at 5am and was going to get a lift to the US Embassy for his flight to Manila. He tried to get a couple of hours of sleep before having to head off. But the New Year's Eve fireworks were so loud, he was unable. He They're tried, still going at 3, 4 a.m. Yeah. He tried for an hour and he's like, it's so loud, I can't even sleep. Then something shattered through his window. With that, he jumped up. He's like, if the New Year's Eve partying is this wild, the traffic's going to be a nightmare. So he's like, I'm just going to get up and go now. When he found the hotel manager, he seemed flustered. He yelled something in Korean, which Chicky didn't quite understand. Then the manager started yelling in French, Buku VC, Buku VC. Chicky was confused. He knew it meant something like a lot of Viet Cong. Viet Cong were sort of on the other side mm. to the Americans. But he'd been out only hours before and seen no VC anywhere, no Viet Cong anywhere. And anyway, they were in the middle of a truce. 
Well, it turned out the truce was bogus. <gasps> what Chicky didn't know was he was now right in the middle of the Tet Offensive. Oh, my God. According to Britannica, the Tet Offensive consisted of simultaneous attacks by some 85,000 troops under the direction of the North Vietnamese government. The attacks were carried out against five major South Vietnamese cities, dozens of military installations, and scores of towns and villages throughout South Vietnam. The offensive was a crushing tactical defeat for the North, but it struck a sharp psychological blow that eroded support for the war among the American public and political establishment. So it was sort of... It, it as a as an offensive in itself, it was a failure. Yeah, a lot of people died on both sides. More on the on the North Vietnamese side, but it did end up sort of. It's seen as one of the big things that ended up starting the Americans uh, on the path to leaving the war or trying to uh, organize peace or whatever. I felt like the Tet Offensive feels like it's a, you know it's a whole. Yeah, yeah, I have heard of that. Yeah, yeah. even maybe, um, yeah, it, it did make me think. I don't know that much about. I did. Well, I knew even less about the Vietnam War before now. It might make an interesting episode, perhaps. It's obviously very complicated, like every war is. But I, I did knock out World War One in a couple of episodes. So yeah, you how never hard know. could it be? <laughs> so there was chaos on the streets, but the gravity of the situation hadn't really sunk in with Chicky. He didn't realize still that what had actually happened he was making his way to the embassy and in his mind all he had to do was get there and he'd be on his way to manila then back home but he soon found out the embassy had been taken by the Viet Cong. there would be no flight to manila for chicky shit so shit. the the embassy was this it was like he talked about it like it was a, a guarded like a castle he's like it, it had everything but a moat so you would have thought it was impenetrable, yeah. But it was it was pretty lightly guarded, and uh, yeah, I think it was like seventeen Viet Cong soldiers were able to take it over. Whoa! Uh, Chicky spent the night on the streets, hiding behind trees and other nooks and crannies. His hotel and that area around it had also been taken by the Viet Cong. Shit! So he was sort of now he had nowhere to go, nowhere safe to go. So he's hiding. He found this spot in a this little nook in a wall and he stayed there for hours as he's hearing gunfight fire going back and, and forth. And were there fireworks that he was hearing before actually gunfight? I, yes, that's right. <laughs> he, so he, he's not being able to sleep because he thinks oh, it's I, fire. He's like, geez, they're partying hard. Keep not realising it was actually gunfire. Whoa. He somehow made it through the night and with his plans to escape via Manila now dashed, Chicky was destined to live in Saigon a little longer. The U.S. military knew something was happening prior to the Tet Offensive, apparently. According to Chicky, the US, U.S. military leadership had received intelligence that something big was about to happen, but it underestimated how big. Apparently, apparently there was uh, the Tet Offensive, the communications were a bit off, and some cities were, take, uh, were attacked the night before. There was confusion about what night it was meant to happen. And even still, apparently, the U.S. Army were underprepared for it even though they kind of had this tip-off. And they were like, oh. Anyway, still better party for New Year's Eve. Yeah, apparently they, put, they only oh. put one extra soldier on the US Embassy to guard it. Good. Even though they knew something was about to happen. This is all, I'm, I mean, this is all from Chicky. Who was there? Uh, he goes on, the death toll in the two-month period of Tet 
from January 29 through March 31, 1968, was 3,895 American servicemen, 14,300 civilians, 4,954 South Vietnamese soldiers, 214 allies, and 58,373 North Vietnamese and Viet Cong forces. Fucking hell, that's so many people. Yep. In a, in a two-month period. That's right. And it was a, apparently it was quite a departure for the North Vietnamese tactically. They were, it was really, they were doing guerrilla warfare. This was them going out in the open, and that's, this was the first time that so many of them died. And, uh, yeah, so it was really just they were sending them out there for the slaughter, hoping for the tactical win mm. of, um, uh, like, the propaganda war almost. They were hoping that um, the South Vietnamese would uprise and join the communist side of the battle, which didn't, didn't happen. But uh, I think that was one of, the, uh, one of the hopes of the North Vietnamese. Uh, one silver lining of having to remain in Vietnam was that Chicky was now able to tick one more name off his list. No. Bobby Pappas was one of Chicky's best mates from back home, and he had found out where he was stationed at the Long Bin Army Base that was only an hour's drive from Saigon. The Tet Offensive fighting continued, but the US forces had secured the main road going northeast, and Chicky saw this as his opportunity to visit his old mate. Like, they got the embassy back within hours. And um, so a lot of those, all um, a lot of the Tet Offensive, you know, was undone pretty quickly. Yeah. But the fighting went on. Yeah, wow. But it was still like, the, there was footage of this going back into America and Americans, apparently the public was starting to go like, holy shit, this is, we were told that we were winning this war. Yeah. But this doesn't look like that's the, uh, it's going in the right direction yeah. like we've been told. So according to Chicky, back out on the road, I hitched a ride northeast to the Long Bin base. When we arrived, I couldn't believe the huge scale of the place. About 50,000 soldiers were stationed there, as well as some of the top army generals in charge of planning the logistics of the war. Long Bin had restaurants, stores, an Olympic-sized swimming pool, tennis courts, basketball courts, a golf driving range, a bowling alley, classrooms, theatres, tennis courts, and nightclubs. Wow. Hectic. Chicky approached some military police and told them he was Bobby Pappas's stepbrother. <laughs> uh, they're like, really? If you're really his stepbrother, why don't you tell us some of the wild stories he tells us about New York? And he's like, oh, yeah, like this one or that one. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> he's never said that one before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're like, all right, let's, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll take it to him. <laughs> I'll prove you know Bobby Pappas. <laughs> he, he talks about a lot of the stories he, he sort of scatters through the book as well. A lot of them are pretty fun. Um, anyway, they took him to Bobby, uh, no problems from there. <laughs> and the two had a great reunion with Chicky giving his old mate one of New York's finest before the two headed to a bar for the night. And Chicky was able to catch Bobby up on how his wife and his baby were doing. Oh, that's nice. They also reminisced about old times. So these are 26 year olds, but they're reminiscing. Like yeah. I forgot bit. he's 26. Yeah. No. Fucking hell, that's wild. And a lot of the people that he's catching up with already, they've been like 20 years old. Yeah. So this, this, I I haven't gone through many of his uh, old neighbourhood stories, but this one I thought was short and a bit of fun. Um, So this is one of the stories apparently they reminisced about. They used to live in an apartment together, and one story in the book was that they let someone stay in their apartment because he had worn out his welcome everywhere else. He's like, I got nowhere else to go. I'm a real pest. They're like, all right, you can stay I'm with us. I'm a terrible house guest. <laughs> and it, ter- it sounds like he really was. 
So this guy, Jimmy is Jimbo, his name was, I think. Jimbo. Uh, he got so hot. He's like, it's too hot. So he broke every window in the apartment to let cool air in. What? But then it became so freezing. So Bobby and Chicky went to a bar to warm up. And when they came home, firefighters were putting out a fire Jimbo had set because he was too cold. <laughs> Has Jimbo somehow, like, Brendan Fraser style, travelled from the past? <laughs> Doesn't know how to open a window. It's a man. <laughs> yeah. And then he started a fire because he was too cold because he'd smashed all the windows. <laughs> Incredible. A great story. Hey, Jimmy, just come over here. See this latch? You can just push that window <laughs> yeah. up. And if you get too cold, you push it back down. You can control how much air can get in. That's what's crazy. Yeah, he set fire to like a a gas heater. (laughs) It's too cold. Anyway, so Chicky stayed with Bobby on the base for the next few nights. He now didn't didn't have this deadline anymore. Um, He thought he was going to be flying back, uh, flying to Manila, you know, the day before. Yeah. But that couldn't happen. So he stayed for a few nights before heading back to Saigon. Yeah. when he was back there, the next night, he was at a, at a rooftop bar talking with journalists again. Rooftop bar, lovely. Yeah, apparently they moved all the bars to the rooftops because of uh, there were a bunch of bar explosions on ground floors. So that for safety, they all the bars in Saigon ended up being moved up to the rooftops. Why are they exploding? Why are they exploding? Like uh, enemy bombs. Oh, gotcha. They're in a war. They're in a war, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, does the rooftop not explode? I think that, I guess it's just, I don't know if they were like, you know. If like, you're on top of a building and the bottom of the building explodes, are you not also in danger? But it's a lot hard. I guess it's a lot harder to get a bomb. It's a lot easier to go through a front door and chuck a bomb in. Gotcha. But get thinking, all the way up to the top. I was thinking that there was like terrible bar people like accidentally, you know, like making moonshine oh, and right. explosions in the basement. They need it. Yeah. Need a no roof on top because <laughs> yeah. of all the awful putrid <laughs> gases yeah, that were being created. open air. That was Chicky. <laughs> Chicky. It was because Chicky has fucking dropped his guts yeah. again. <laughs> We're going to need to get this guy to one of our outdoor areas. <laughs> drop his guts. Is, drop your guts is such a funny euphemism for a fart. Dropping your guts. And in my head, it was I was like thinking van bombs and stuff, you know, on the front doorsteps. But yeah, that I, I don't know why I jumped to that conclusion. Mm. But anyway, apparently that was that was why the rooftop bars were more popular. But anyway, so he's up on the rooftop bar. When all of a sudden there was a massive explosion to the northeast and the night sky lit up orange. He said it looked like a, a mushroom cloud. Four. Then there was a series of further explosions getting louder and louder. And he knew straight away this was at Long Bin where he just spent the last few days with his mate Bobby Pappas. Chicky was obviously worried sick about his friend and he uh, got the first available ride back up there to check on him. When he got there, he was relieved to find that Bobby was safe, safe and sound, and they spent spent the night in the bar once again. Uh, this would prove to be the last leg of Chicky's epic beer run, as soon after he found himself a gig as an oiler on a ship called the SS Limon. There was a lot more to the story of Chicky Donahue's time in Vietnam, and I would again recommend reading his book if you're interested. Uh, I believe the story is also being made into a feature film. Oh, cool. Um, I think Russell Crowe might be in it. And I think, Playing Chicky. No, I think the 26 year old. Chicky's being played by a heartthrob, though, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. A Hemsworth? Uh, nah. Okay. Chalamet. Yeah, maybe a bit. Young enough. Younger. A bit older than Chalamet, I reckon. A Taron Egerton. Not Taron Egerton. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember. One, like, I'd know his name if I, I can't think of a single thing he's been in. 
Uh, it's got a name got an E in it. <laughs> His Ian name McKellen. has an E in it. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe. His name has, His an, name e. has an E in it. Oh, he, his name might have a vowel. Starts with an E. Zach Efron. As Chicky. Zach, oh, Zach doesn't start with an that's E. disappointed me. I won't watch it. <laughs> you don't, you're not, a, you're not a, a, a Zach head? Not really, I don't think. I wonder who Rusty's going to play. Maybe he'll play one of the old, the old Aussies at the bar. Oh, yeah, get out, Blinken. Welcome to me bar. <laughs> Good to see you at the bar. We call it a pub in Australia where I'm from. <laughs> so right? that was my audition. That's good. You got I'm the job. I'm going to be a bar wench. I think that would be fantastic. It's polishing glasses, saying something sassy, and everyone's like, nah, she's all right. <laughs> there, there was a whole bit that I skipped over where he started. Uh, he met a mate who was uh, a, another seaman, merchant seaman, <laughs> who was docked at the port. And they had this, the boat was loaded up with uh, frozen perishable goods. And uh, Chicky started smuggling them out and delivering them to people who were starting to struggle. The Tet Offensive meant that getting food was harder. So he was feeding people. And then he, like, he, he, the, the animals at the zoo needed food. So he, it was, yeah. So, like, there's heaps more to this story, but. Do, do we believe this guy? <laughs> and then I started feeding starving animals. And I was saving all these kids. And then the lion said, thank you, Chicky. <laughs> and then I, dressed, I was so hungry before. I dressed up as Santa and started handing out presents to all the kids and then, and then their mums were like you're the best guy I've ever met and, and the I, hottest and then I heard something behind me and I turned around and it was a grenade and I caught it and I threw it back I piffed it back and someone said wow you're great would you like a contract with a major league baseball team I piffed it back <laughs> I piffed it well I mean he, he said like it's I feel like if he was making it all up, when he was handed the grenade launcher, he would have uh, shot it and knocked and taken someone out. Not said, I was too scared to use yeah, it and that, I laid low. That night, I killed 40,000 enemy <laughs> soldiers. I ended the war. My so, farts are really gross. <laughs> all right, mate. Oh, check this, this braggadocious like, guy. Um, this fucking guy. So in the end, he he'd had beers with four? He had beers with four, yeah. I'll, uh, so I'll, um, I'll start the wrap-up here. So he, he jumped on and worked on the SS Limon, which arrived back in Seattle. He said he was... He reckons he was the first one to disembark, and he literally kissed the ground when he got back on the soil. Land! <laughs> back to the book. According to Chicky, I headed straight downtown for the first department store I could find, which turned out to be a J.C. Penny. There I bought underwear, socks, a pair of pants, and a shirt. I also picked up a pair of shoes, even a jacket. I asked them to clip off the tags. I walked into the fitting room, put on the new clothes and threw out my old ones. The jeans, the madras shirt that I'd basically been wearing for four months oh my into God. the garbage can. Chicky. It's a shame he didn't He didn't have the foresight to frame them, put them up at the, uh, at the Fiddler's Bar. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then he bought a ticket on a plane back to New York City. Arriving home, according to Chicky, I hailed a taxi and told the driver to head straight to Inwood, Manhattan, more specifically to Doc Fiddler's Bar. I was lucky to be coming home when others hadn't. I hoped my buddies would come home soon too. As the taxi wended its way into Inwood, I was thinking about whether what I had done was as totally reckless and crazy as some had said to me. Then the cab pulled up in front of Doc Fiddler's, where it all began. I walked in and the bar was nearly full. Somebody spotted me and yelled out, Colonel, it's Chicky. The Colonel yelled out, Holy shit, Chick, you're alive. <laughs> yeah, I'm alive. And so are Tommy and Rick and Kevin and Bobby. 
there was pandemonium. I didn't care anymore whether it had been reckless or not. The colonel, who never drank on duty, poured himself and everyone else a beer and raised it. To Chicky, he said, who brought our boys beer, respect, pride and love. God damn it. <laughs> Sick. Sadly, Chicky never found two of the men on his list. Richie Reynolds was killed the day after Chick arrived in Quinon Harbour. Oh, wow. Uh, he also didn't find Joey McFadden, but this was for a less tragic reason. Uh, although not a great one. Before he could find him, Joey had been sent home after twice contracting malaria. Oof. Chicky returned. Apparently, Joey McFadden, he got home and he he hung out with his brother that night and told him all about his experiences of war and then never mentioned the war again for the rest of his life. Holy shit. Uh, Chicky returned home a changed man. He didn't see Vietnam the same way. He thought of those who had died and the families that that had destroyed all because of egos and miscalculations at the top. He found himself broadly agreeing with the Vietnam War protests. He went over basically going, I'm going over in, in a sort of his own protest against the protest. Yeah. And he came back and he's like, I'm with you. I think they're right, yeah. And he also said what they didn't realise before was that some of their brothers and sisters and friends were at those protests already. And in the end, like, returned servicemen were joining the protests. And... Um, in the end, he just wanted his friends to return home safely. And gladly, I can tell you that Tommy, Kevin, Rick and Bobby all did. And they still catch up for a beer to this day. No, they There's don't. There's photos of them from a couple of years ago all catching up having a beer together. That's great. Yeah. So that's the story of what uh, is normally dubbed the greatest beer run ever. <laughs> oh, that what is a, great. What a tale. I'm so amazed that he got out of there safely that all but one of the of the boys did as well like that's that's yes. statistically pretty impressive um and you know an uplifting story so often our stories are a bit bleak that was a great story yeah it's set among, it's set on the backdrop of a lot of bleakness yeah. but it's sort of like a a little positive story amongst a um a pretty grim <laughs> backdrop is there a little part of you as well that was listening to that story dave and being like and this was all before google maps <laughs> oh my god honestly all before smartphones he had no idea and i don't mean to sound like a fucking millennial i can read a map i'm just saying like how much easier it is now to be like okay i'm not fully sure where i am gps okay that's where i am how do i get out of here oh that's how i get out of here yeah. you know but he was extremely fortunate. Chick, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. 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 Straight yeah, off the amazing. boat. The best. Straight off the boat. Found, and then found one straight off the boat. Hitching a ride. Yes. And the driver. And like I, I, I abbreviated that story. The way he told it was he jumped in and the driver didn't even look back. And they were driving for a while and he was telling his story. And then the driver was like, turn around and went, wait, what the hell, Chick? Are you kidding? <laughs> Slams on the brakes. Yeah. That's wild. Great yeah. story, Matty. Yeah, that was a ripper. Bit of fun. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, like I say, great audio book. I've really enjoyed it uh, listening to it the last week or so of an evening. Yeah, thanks to everyone that suggested that because that is... Yeah, I'd never heard of what it. What So, yeah, um, one of those great stories. And a, ob- what an obvious story to turn into a film. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. You hear it, you're like, oh, this is... I'm th- I was thinking this has already got to be one, surely. Yeah. That's great. So it'll be interesting to see how much of that, uh, what they do with that, um, do with the story. Cool. Yeah, but it is also one of those ones that you worry that in the film, it'll be so, uh, like, everyone would be like, as if. But it's like, no, sometimes <laughs> yeah. stories are yeah. unbelievable. 
Yeah, can you tone down this script a bit? It's a bit far-fetched, mate. Uh, so that brings us to the part of the show where we like to thank some of our great Patreon supporters. You can support us at patreon.com slash dogonpod or dogonpod.com. And, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of different rewards you get for supporting us. Dave, you got a few examples there? Hey, we have a fantastic Facebook group that you can be a part of. It's honestly one of the nicest and possibly only 100% nice corner of the internet. Like-minded Dugawan people get together and post some funny stuff, which I really enjoy being a part of that group, as well as our three bonus episodes every single month. So nearly every week you get to listen to this uh, show we put out, but also a bonus episode, as well as 150 other bonus episodes that are already there. As soon as you sign up on that level, you get access to all of them. That's right. Yeah, so much good stuff. And there's even more than that. Uh, and you can it's all listed if you go to one of those websites. Many things. Uh, one of the things you can do if you sign up on the Sydney Scheinberg level or above, you get to be involved in the fact, quote, or question section of the show, which is where you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question, even a brag or a suggestion it or whatever you like. It anything you want really. it to be. Uh, and I read them out for the first time as I read them out on the show. And I do four each week. And this week, we're going to start with Kelly Clark. Who And you also get to give yourself a title, I should say. And Kelly's title is Deputy Official Secretary to the Official Secretary of Do Go On. Okay. And Kelly has asked a question. The question's always the hard. We, I've noticed we've been finding lately that uh, questions without notice are harder. So maybe I should pre-read these, but I'll never think pre-read that Pre-read just the questions, maybe, yeah. Uh, Kelly's question is, what's the weirdest place you've ever slept? Oh, that's pretty appropriate coming off this one. I, I think Chicky might say uh, a foxhole fox on the outer edge of a per, uh, the perimeter. Uh, and Kelly's go-to answer is the middle of the racetrack at Randwick Racecourse after a 10 or something kilometre walk and then hanging out with the Pope. Oh, my God. That's a um, wild yeah. sentence. That is, that is a sentence that... Uh has, it leads to questions. I didn't Absolutely. even know the Pope was into gambling, but um, yeah, I wonder what that was. That the Golden Slipper. I wonder what event that was. Mm. <laughs> uh, weirdest place I've ever slept. Jeez, I don't know if I've slept in that many weird places. Slept on a trampoline on Millennium Eve. Oh, oh. Millennium! I've slept on a trampoline as well. That's but great. Not on Millennium Eve. Fantastic. Well, is it a story then? No. Yeah. Was yours just like a Tuesday? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking nerd. No, it was worse. It was a Wednesday. Oh, hump day. Am I right? Who gives a shit? No one cares. Um, What about... Um, Air, different airports? You know, just on the floor yeah, at floor airports? Yeah, airport. I did so I had to sleep outside when I was traveling because I... Yeah, I'm like a... I don't know. It's not that wild. I just slept in a park because I, um, I was in... Salzburg, I think, in mm. Austria, and I, I got there. I got there early, too early, the night before, when I was, wasn't checking until the next day. Yeah, right. But yeah, that's not that weird. And the Pope wasn't involved. I don't think I can beat your story, can't, Kelly. I can't beat that. One time uh, after a uni play that we put on, it was the final night. You know, you have a cast party afterwards in the theater, and then someone found that in the room next to the theater was like a room full of mattresses. And the mattresses were like used for people that slept on campus. But we were like, great, let's just sleep on these mattresses. And um, so we just put them all out, lie next to each other on this massive bed, like just like the filled, the, filled the room. And then um, this is the sound of someone pissing. And I look over and some guy's just pissing in his sleep, just pulling his oh, pants up, just pissing. No. And then when he woke up, he tried to blame it on someone else. And you, you'd, you'd filmed the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You said, look, I've got footage. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. You can see why you'd have passed the blame. Bit of embarrassment there. Yeah. 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 But blame it on a cat or something. Oh, yeah, I think this it was smells a cat. like cat it was like, piss to me. Mate, we saw you pissing. We all saw you, mate. I think this was... Oh, I've heard this place is haunted by a pissing ghost. Yeah, a pissing ghost. And then they make it look like someone else did it. Yeah. You guys haven't heard that story? Yeah. Oh, that, okay. okay but. Um, I remember... I Yeah, I mean, I fall asleep on planes and buses and cars all the time. So you sleep very well. Uh, uh, like sleep... Uh, you know, some people sleep... Very easily in different places. You're one of those yeah, people? Yeah, I think so. I remember um, one time towards the end of year 12 uh, falling asleep in a classroom and it was like we were, we were doing our drama performances that night, like a showcase. So we were at school late uh, rehearsing and stuff and we'd stopped for a dinner break and I fell asleep, curled up on a little box <laughs> <laughs> like a cat, curled up on a box just against a wall. Um, and I kind of came to, as my teacher said, shh, shh, shh just leave her. <laughs> and I fell asleep. You're like, okay. All right. They're like, let her have a little kip. It's not that weird though, is it? And again, Pope, not. Can't beat Pope. But, Kelly, you beat us. You beat us. This time. Oh, yeah, that's a win. God damn it. That's hard to, any, when, once the peep drops in, hard to yeah, beat that. Hard to beat the peep. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Kelly. Next one comes from Katie Clays, uh, aka the Lizard Queen. <laughs> I am the Lizard Queen. <laughs> thank you, Doctor. Oh, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I can see. I can see the music. I can, I can see the time. Uh, Katie's got a question as well, which is, what is your favourite way to listen to podcasts? Katie also answers her own question, as we always encourage people yeah. to do. Uh, saying, I love to pop the wank pods in and do my housework. It makes... What does that mean? I love to pop the wank pods in <laughs> and do my housework. It makes the chores much funnier. And when my daughter asks what I'm laughing at, I can reply, the voice is in my head. Wank pods. Is that what people call like the... Well, I've just Googled wank pod and the first thing that comes up, company offers employees pods to masturbate in <laughs> while at work as an employment benefit. I'm guessing that's sort of lingo to mean like, maybe that's, you know, they're be wanky AirPods? because they're AirPods. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Uh, wank pod. Or maybe specifically for wank pods. While you do the chores. Uh, Favourite way to listen to podcasts. I think it's, uh, I'm normally in the car or running. Yeah. Not that I've run for a long time, but. Yeah, I'm either on a walk or in the car. And, and in the car for a while, like I've got yeah. a long drive because my drives to work are short, so it's just music or the radio, but long drives, I'll chuck a pod on. Yeah, I'm definitely in the car or on uh, the wank pods <laughs> whilst cleaning. Honestly, I like... I like the wank pods in. Well, I'm cleaning up the kitchen at the end of the night, like chucking it on because I often think, oh, is this worth it? It's only going to take 10 minutes, but then... It so takes you times, four hours. So, so honestly, so many times I'm like, I'm glad I listened to something because that took 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I reckon dishes and cleaning up a kitchen can be very deceptive. My God. Yeah. You think, oh, how long could it wipe yeah. down a couple of benches? I'll be right. But other times you're like, this is going to take me ages and you're done quickly and you're like, yeah. huh. Well, so I guess it's all relative, isn't it? Now mm. time to relax in my wank pod. <laughs> <laughs> ah, to the wank pod. <laughs> Great work, Katie Clays. I uh, hope you continue to enjoy your wank, wank pods. Pod. Uh, the next one comes from Daniel Ryan, a.k.a. Tiny Balls. Tiny Balls. <laughs> and uh, Daniel's got a fact. And he writes, this is mainly for Matt. Sorry. Hey, you don't have to be sorry for that, Daniel. That's okay. That's fantastic. That's fine. It's great. Unless it's like really brutal criticism. <laughs> then <laughs> yeah. please. 
Continue. Daniel writes, one of your last Primates episodes was a Q&A app from Umbrella Academy, and you said you were going to do one more. So I submitted a fact in response to the potential episode. It never ended up happening. So I want to give you my fact here. Oh, it doesn't sound like something I would do. I always follow through. Don't I? No. Um, what is that? I reckon I, I feel like I did do that. Did I forget to put it out? Um, anyway, so, um, so I submitted a fact in response to that potential episode. Uh, here is my fact. That being said, I don't know what you said way back then that prompted this, but here it is. Okay. In all primates, the size of the male's balls directly relates to the promiscuity, the promisc- promiscuity, the promiscuity of the woman, of the women. If a man of a species has big balls, it means he has to compete with all the other sexual partners his partners may have. If he has tiny balls, it means his partner will most likely be very loyal. So basically, the bigger the balls, the bigger the cuck. Thank. <laughs> really. And I have said many times, I have very big balls. So um, the primates find the the smaller balls more attractive. Yeah, or the. Or can they or change no, they don't the need, size? They don't of the need balls? the balls to be that big. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Or maybe maybe the the balls because they're all well, the semen's not in there anymore. Oh god! Sorry, the merchant uh, <laughs> sailors, ma- the mariners, mariners. Uh, so the the balls shrink. Right. <laughs> I'm not. A, I should say I'm not a scientist. Uh, really? Daniel says, thank you for everything you do. And if I remember, didn't they say your nickname was Big Balls? Hmm. Yes, Daniel. I've come clean to that. I'm a cuck with Big Balls. <laughs> so that means you've got to compete a lot. You're not even Big Balls in the group chat anymore. You're Miranda from Sex of the City. Ah, what mm. are you two? I don't know what I am. One of the other characters, surely. Yeah. Is that why we said someone's Mr. Big, maybe? <laughs> Dave's Mr. That? Big. Dave's Mr. Big. Am I Mr. Big this whole time? Because you obviously don't see your own nickname. Who am I? I don't know. I, I, whatever it is, I just <laughs> see them as your names now. But yeah, Dave's funny. Mr. Dig and you're Carrie Bradshaw. Carrie Bradshaw. Whenever I'm, uh, I've got my wank pods in and I'm walking the dog, <laughs> it, the AirPods like announce everything. So it'll be like... Um, from and she also has an Irish accent because it felt less jarring. So she goes from Messenger. <laughs> Miranda from Sex and the City. Matt says because <laughs> we had to put your name afterwards as well because you got t- too confused. Right, that's right. So we must have changed that back when we did the Sex and the City episode, which I wasn't even on. That's yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, really kind of something new. Yeah, we due for something. Can I be Chicky? Yeah, <laughs> Chicky, that's good. <laughs> uh, I'll be the Colonel. Yes, uh, Dave, you can be. Can I be a spare pair of socks? <laughs> <laughs> socks, <laughs> just socks, just socks, socksy socks. That's fun. Uh, and the last fact quarter question this week comes from Lisa Viana, or Lisa Viana, who is the occupational therapist of the pod. Thank you so much oh, for the work you do, Lisa. Thank yes, you. and as we discovered last time, a very important job. Very important Which job. Which we already knew, but it was established last time. This is another question, uh, which is, how popular were Mad Libs when you guys were growing up? Uh, I, don't, I don't know what that... I don't know if I know what that means. Me either, I don't think. Uh, you guys have said you are up for anything in this section, including recipes, brags, compliments, etc. So, get ready for a Mad Lib. Okay. Because this may come out around the 4th of July. Oh. I thought it would be fun to have an American Independence Day themed Mad Lib. 
Matt, if you would be so kind as to fill in the story with Dave and Jess's answers. Oh, yeah, cool. Oh, yeah, okay. And then we can all learn a little bit of history together. Wait, hang on. So I've got... Oh, oh wow, okay. <laughs> so you have to fill it in. Okay, You okay, just tell okay. us whether it's a noun, a verb, whatever, and we give you those. Oh, so you, yeah, you've heard of this. And then you build the story from there. This sounds like improv, is it? Yeah, it's like a yeah. It's a give me an occupation. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna need occupation. <laughs> um, uh, wank pod seller. <laughs> wank pod salesman. <laughs> All right, so I need an adjective. Remind me what an adjective it's is. A describing word, I think. Uh, hot. Hot. Uh, need a plural noun. Jess, obviously you know what that is. <laughs> cats. Hot cats. Uh, need a noun and a number. Noun and a number. Okay. Um, you do the noun. I'll do a number. Okay. Box. One million. <laughs> <laughs> uh, need another adjective. Um, Slimy. Yeah, good one. Uh, need a proper noun. What's a proper noun? It's like a place like or a, a name. Yeah, right? it's oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, okay. Loving this. Um, Chicago. Ah, <laughs> oh, the Windy good. City. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, and a noun number. Noun and number? Wait, it says noun, comma, number. Does that mean I need both? Because that's what I did last time. Yeah. It'll all yeah. make sense. All right, great. Okay, you do the number this time. No, no, I'll, I'll, you do the noun, I'll do the number. Okay. Um, Dave. 69. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the first number that came to my head. Don't ask me why. <laughs> Adjective. Um, shiny. Nice. Uh, verb. Uh, jump. Jump. I was... Jumping, whatever. Yeah. Wow. Is it jump or jumping? Jumping. Jump, like I think it. it's jump, isn't don't, it? Don't yeah, like your I attitude. think both of them are. Okay, great. Uh, I bet one is some version of that. Don't add us. And then a noun number again. Uh, okay, you do the noun. Um, I don't know. Is that noun or... No, it's got to be both, right? Okay. We'll see when we put it all together, uh, I guess. Disc man. Ooh. 1975. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we need an adjective. Oh, my God. This is so long. Yeah. Another adjective. Um, tall. tall. Good one. Uh, need a proper noun uh-huh. and a name. Proper noun and Wait, a name. I reckon, I don't know. Anyway. President. <laughs> um, Barry. <laughs> uh, ver- and just two, uh, two verbs to finish. Um, okay. Sweat. Um, glisten. Is that a verb? Yeah, something glistens. Okay, well, here it is. This is uh, with thanks to Lisa Viana. Um, You have, this is uh, for sometime around New York Independence Day or whatever. Fourth of July, is that Independence Day? Mm -hmm. Where Will Smith beat the aliens. Uh, the Declaration of Independence is a hot document, 
Because it means the cats of the box, one million colonies, decided to be slimy from Chicago. <laughs> In the year Dave 69, <laughs> the shiny Congress decided to jump Discman. Uh, 1,975 leaders uh, to write the Declaration of Tall. <laughs> they agreed to have President Barry Jefferson sweat the document and glisten it to Congress after that. The end. <laughs> I love it. Did that work? Maybe Tall felt like it was wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> you think you think Glisten at the end there worked perfectly? Yeah, though? I think it worked. That was great. Yeah, they glistened, glistened it, it to, to Congress. Congress. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fantastic work. That's good fantastic. stuff. That's my right first there. ever Mad Lib. That's my first ever Mad Lib. Aww. I've heard the term Mad Lib, I think, but I didn't, didn't know what it meant. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. All right. Well, that brings us to uh, the next part where we like to thank a few of our other great Patreon supporters. Yep, absolutely. And Jess, you normally come up with a game based on the topic? Yeah, I was thinking um, what they could deliver to their friends. Fantastic. Uh, it, at the Vietnam War or anywhere? Um, anywhere, but preferably at the Vietnam War. Okay. Well, if I could kick us off, I'd love to thank from Houston, Texas in the United States, Kevin Moyer. Kevin Moyer delivered gingerbread bickies. Oh, homemade? Homemade. Oh, don't care. Home decorated. And oh, Kevin. Kevin actually um, tailored each little packet. Each little packet had like five gingerbread uh, people in them. And Kevin decorated them all individually to that person, which that I think is, is nice. nice. Yeah. That's a beautiful amazing. touch. Yeah, it's really sweet. Beautiful work, Kevin. Really heartwarming and, and spirit lifting. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Beautiful. Uh, I'd also love to thank from Port Allen in Louisiana, in the United States, Jay Cormack. Jay Cormack delivering oysters. Ooh, um, aphrodisiac. Aphrodisiac, yes. By the time he gets them there, they may be very off, but still it would be rude for the people to not shuck them with Jay. Yeah, and then fuck them with Jay. <laughs> yeah, shuck and then, them and fuck them. And then get really sick with Jay because these things are putrid. But what is more intimate? Mm. Than sharing a toilet. Sharing a toilet when you've both got food poisoning. Just going back to back. There's, on no, a can. there's nothing <laughs> for the no more like beautiful that. and more intimate than that. Mm. That, you know, some people say like sex is intimate. Whatever. What the hell? Sex the way I, do it. I say. <laughs> Very impersonal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but for me. I knew he was the one when we shat ourselves together. Oh, my goodness. When you filled that bathtub at the same time. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Jay, for your support. Matt just gritting his teeth through that whole thing. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Stop it, you fucks. I'd also love to thank from Warrington in New South Wales, Australia, Julie Page. Julie Page. Julie Page. What's Julie wanting to deliver? Delivered a rocket. Whoa. As in like a... A message, you know, like at, at half time in a game, you know, they delivered a rocket. They really put oh, a rocket up them. Cool. Oh right! So she went over there and she she revved them up. Yeah, like, like a halftime speech, like halfway, a pep talk. Halfway, pep talk. halfway during the war. Yeah. Hey, you boys, you gotta go out there. Get 110. percent You've we've come this far. There's yeah. no turning back now. If you get through this, we can all shit in a bathtub <laughs> together. Stuff like that. So yeah. You're gonna get back up <laughs> and give us everything you got. Yeah. Don't think, do, and stuff like that. Wow, Julie, that's a that's yeah, amazing. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Great work. incredible stuff there. Do you want me to thank some people? That'd be a lovely. Gesture. I would love so much to thank from Milton Keynes. 
in uh, Great Britain. I would love to thank Chris and Sadie. Chris and Sadie, thank you so much for uh, supporting the show. Obviously, they are delivering one million rubber dinghies. Oh, that's a lot of dinghies. Yeah, it's yeah. heaps, actually. How are they As delivering in them? Or you mean what, boats? No, boats. Oh, ding- dinghies, not dingers. Not dingers. <laughs> a million rubber dingers. So if you look, inside each dinghy is a dinger. Oh, that's nice. You can fuck in your boat. Sorry. <laughs> There's no surname there. Do you think it's Chris DeBerg? <gasps> Could it be? Could it be Sade? The best brows in the biz? I think it could be Sadie the Cleaning Lady. Oh, that's better. Chris DeBerg. It's Sadie the Cleaning Lady. Oh, yes. Sade didn't have the eye here. Pardon me. Wrong spelling. <laughs> Same spelling for Chris DeBerg, so that hasn't been debunked because yet. Because it's Chris. <laughs> this could be Chris DeBerg and Sadie the Cleaning Lady. Those uh, rubber dinghies are going to come in really handy. Yeah, what are they going to use them for? Um, it's basically there if you need to evacuate the war real quick. Yeah, right. Okay. A million of them. Imagine that. That's very cool. Ten to a boat. Yeah, everybody hop in. Hop in. Hop One in. lucky couple gets to share the, <laughs> what, the other thing we had in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everybody else, avert your eyes for yeah. three to five minutes. Lock away. Three <laughs> to five. Jeez, that's a lifetime. It's been a while. <laughs> um, and I'd also love to thank from Newstead in Queensland. Oh, where the brewery is. The Newstead Brewery oh. there. Fantastic. I'd love to thank a fellow Jess, Jess Newman. Oh, do you like when you meet another Jess? Oh, I mean, it happens quite often, but yes. <laughs> or do you mean I was Jess? A, I was, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was at a wedding recently and my good friend Mitch met another Mitch for the first time in his life. No, wow. not possible. Had never really. met another Mitch. No. And I was like, it's not that uncommon a name. Mitch they meet? Buchanan from Baywatch. He hasn't met Mitch Buchanan. That's the thing, though. Oh. He's heard of other Mitches. Mitchell Johnson from the Australian cricket team. Yeah, again, he's heard of Mitches. Mm. Did they immediately start arm wrestling because there can only be one? They were arguing a bit. Mark Mitchell from Comedy Company. That's right. And they were talking <laughs> about... <laughs> talking to a three-year-old yelling something. Very yes. good, buddy. Well done. Like when, yeah, a toddler interrupts a parent's conversation. Mm-hmm. They go, mm-hmm. Sorry about that. And uh, <laughs> What about the suburb of Mitchell? That's right. That is a place. One. Sorry, he's so fucking annoying. <laughs> They're terrible at this age. <laughs> at least it's it's somewhat relevant to what we're talking about, which is impressive developmentally. <laughs> um, uh, Mitch Lewis, the Hawthorne player. And everyone was joking about how there can, there can only be like one, one person of each name at the wedding. And I didn't want to tell them my name because there were three other Jesses. Sam Mitchell, the Hawthorne oh, coach. That's right. Did we say what Jess Newman was? Uh, Jess Newman is delivering, delivering a 60 mile an hour bouncer. <laughs> bouncer? <laughs> They're the short stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So she comes over. 60 miles, which is quite slow for a bouncer. It's 100k an hour. 160 kilometers an hour. Ooh, nice. I was getting my... Because I try... I see. <laughs> I'm, I was trying to say once I wanted to say 100 But yeah. I'd already started with the 6 yeah, And right. I thought I could convert it to miles <laughs> Mid-sentence But you're right That would be a slow yeah, bouncer a, Shane oh, Warne bouncer a Slow short ball there yeah. <laughs> just, Straight to the stand. absolutely yeah. That's out of the stadium uh, But I'm, I don't understand uh, Jess is delivering a very fast ball oh, A bit of sweet okay. chin music Yeah, a bit of chin music up. Bat- bouncing up that could hit the batsman in the face. Chin music. Yeah. Oh, love that. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Um, well, I mean, great work there, Jess. Great work, Jess. I think. <laughs> 
Uh, and finally for me, I would love to thank from Roland in, okay, Oklahoma. My goodness, can you believe it? Exciting. Oklahoma, where the doom dum drum is in the brain. I'd love to thank Ashley Addington. That's a good name. Ashley Addington, love that. Ashley Addington is... Delivering... Delivering... Bad news. Oh, no! To bad people. To bad people. Oh, yay! They were about to kill a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but the news distracted them and the, the kid got away. distracted them, yeah. <laughs> it was kids saving bad news. So sorry I had to say that, but... It's a wild... It's a wild... It's a wild tactic by Ashley, but... It came off. It was bold. It was brave, <laughs> but it was a success. Yeah, no one. You, Ashley gets results. Yeah. <laughs> Great work. Good job, uh, Ashley. I'd like to thank from uh, Essendon in Victoria. I'd like to thank Anna. Anna. Great work, Anna. Thanks for supporting the show. Anna. I think Anna is delivering presents. Ooh. Santa is unwell. Oh. Uh, ate some bad oysters or whatever. <laughs> and um, But yeah, uh, Anna was like, I will do it. Can is this I sort of put like on San- the funny little suit? Santa Claus yeah. sort of universe or is this more like uh, the Christmas Chronicles style? Um, yes. <laughs> Forget you two Scrooges. <laughs> oh yeah. Or is this um, the Chronicles of Riddick? Yep. <laughs> it's all of these. Fantastic work, Anna. Delivering presents to the troops and the kids. You're a legend. Pretty impressive stuff. Hey, I'd like to thank... And, and in Vietnam, those two things were basically the same. Yeah, the Troops yeah. and the kids. They were very young. <laughs> Sorry to get political. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'd like to thank from Sinclair in South Australia. It's Nikki Biss. All one word in. Nikki Biss. Nikki Biss. Nikki Biss is delivering... Um, what about cans of soft drink to replace in the vending machines? Oh, an important job. Is Nickybus driving a black thunder? Yeah, yeah. I've given out icy cold cans of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy that for me. You know, <laughs> Answer this question. Where's the craziest place you've ever been to sleep? Enjoy that for me. Um, Name the secret sound. <laughs> it's the sound of Chicky just absolutely packing his dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and then an engine being turned off. <laughs> that, they're always very specific. That sounds like a uh, suicide-inducing fart. Is that right? <laughs> that Co- is correct. Over yeah. Vietnam. Have a bit of Coke. <laughs> Have a bit of Coke. <laughs> Not the whole can. We well, we've got, whole can. We've got Just to share a sip. around. Have a sip Have of that Coke. We're also doing the taste test. Can you tell the difference between this and Pepsi? I reckon I, I absolutely can. I feel like I could. That one's easy. One time at the Eltham Festival growing up, they had a stall that was near the blind taste test. Yeah. And I reckon I went about 15 times just to get a free bit of Coke and a free bit of Pepsi as a nine-year-old. Oh, yeah, it's pretty oh, clever, actually. Keep lining up going, all right, I'll have another shot, shot of each. All that caffeine. By the end of the day, I've had about three litres of each. <laughs> yeah, you're fucked. Oh, Coke's sort of crisper and Pepsi's sort of round, like slightly yeah, rounder Pepsi's or something. Yeah, Pepsi's got more of a sense? lemon kind of, yeah. Right. I c- yeah, I can only explain it in shapes. Yeah, yeah no, I think yeah, that's good. I reckon I could tell the difference between regular Coke, Diet Coke, and Coke, no sugar. Wow. Really? Yeah, I reckon I could. Different mouthfeels for sure. Can't handle a regular Coke anymore. The diet 
Uh, what, uh, soft drinks still have that same slightly odd flavour. Yeah, but after a while you get really used to it mm. and then yeah. you want it. You get addicted to that yeah. odd flavour. Right. Give me that odd, I Give say. Give me a bit odd. Give Get me some a bit odd of, into me. Give me a bit of that odd. I love it odd. I want a bit of strange. <laughs> hey, well. That's what I say anyway. That's what I say. I go to the bar get and say, I need a bit of strange. I need a bit of strange. <laughs> the Pour the news, stranger out and I'm a mare. The good news for both of you is that Nickybus is restocking that machine with whatever you want. Perfect. Wow. It could be Nick Ibis. It's probably Nicky Biss. Oh, it could be Nick Ibis. You're right. Uh, could I get Portello? Absolutely. Or Lift. <gasps> oh, yum. Or Deep Spring Passion Fruit and Orange. Oh, what about Passiona? Kirk's Pasito. I like that. Either of those. Hey, Nick Ibis, Nicky Biss, you're doing absolutely God's work there. And finally, I would like to thank from Brunswick here in Victoria as well. It's Zoe Milne or Zoe Milne. Zoe Milne. <laughs> Zoe Milne. What's Zoe delivering, Bob? All right, well, this is a three-worder. Yep. Um, what do you right, want, a noun? We want you Adjective, noun, and I'll see what happens after that. All right, okay. here we go. <clears throat> Massive. Monkey. Heads. <laughs> Whoa! Okay. Massive monkey heads. That's a good start. Like paper mache ones for dress-ups. Oh, and for so parties. So they do a pageant. They can do a pa- like an army pageant. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Where every character's a, a big monkey. monkey. That's fun. <laughs> that's fun. That'd it's time for the annual monkey competition. Yay! Who's the best monkey? Zoe Milne. Wow. She's designed all of them. Yeah. <laughs> so they all look the same. Zoe's kept the best one for itself. Well, fair enough. Make mm. all the others a little bit shit. Yeah, maybe it's like a an army monkey um, swimsuit competition. <laughs> so everyone's wearing a swimsuit, but they don't want to favour anyone. They don't want any bias, so everyone has to cover their face. With oh, them. Right. Oh, that's good, yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Zoe, Nicobus, Anna, Ashley, Jess, Chris, Sadie, Julie, Jay and Kevin. Last thing we need to do is welcome a few people into our Triptych Club. There's three inductees this week. The way this works is if you're signed up on the shout-out level or above... For three straight years, you get welcomed in. You get a lifetime pass to the Triptych Club. Now, I'm standing at the door. This is Theatre of the Mind stuff. I've got my clipboard out. I've got the names on the list. I'm going to read them out. Lift up that velvet rope. Welcome you in. Dave's up on the stage, as is everyone who's already a member in the club. They're cheering you along. They're chanting. They're excited. Dave's up there hyping them up as we speak. And he's going to welcome you in with a, a bit of weak wordplay based on your name or your place of residence and then Jess will uh, give Dave a bit of a boost because he'll probably be low on confidence after sort of failing with his job and Dave also <laughs> sorry, I zoned, out. I zoned out for a second I assume that was negative yeah it always is <laughs> did not hear what he said honestly he doesn't have a nice word to say about anything or anyone he's a real piece of you're shit you're a negative Nancy <laughs> Dave normally books a band as well for the after party he's good at listening Dave you? you're absolutely not going to believe this I booked these guys weeks ago and we've actually got Vietnam, the band, wow. capital N on Nam. Rock band from Brooklyn. Been rocking since 2004. A lot of different members coming and going, but obviously they are still rocking and rolling. Are they going to be playing their hits from The Concrete's Always Greyer on the Other Side of the Street? That's my favourite of I their love albums. That album. 2004? Yeah, remember, of remember course. Jeez, you, you do love music. I love music. Triple J. <laughs> Now, Jess, you normally come up oh, with a cocktail. I just looked at the uh, discography of their, this band. Are you really hoping that they play a pock l- lips spelt a- capital A, then pock, then capital L-A, like L-A 
Ah. Los Angeles apocalypse. See, that's clever. That's the kind of thing you'd like because it's a pretty weak sort of yeah. wordplay stuff. Honestly, the weaker the better. <laughs> you love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, you normally come up with a bit of a cocktail You're behind the bar. What are you mixing up this week? Well, this one's um, uh, in tribute of the uh, topic and being all about sort of, you know, bringing beers to the friends. Uh, just, well, I made a beer cocktail, which is just a shandy, really, Ooh. isn't it? But I can add cordial to it to give it different colours if oh, you yeah, want. That's Food fun. dye or something. Yeah, I think that's I, put, nice I can put it in a glass with Red, like, white and blue. Yes. God bless America. Probably, how will I do white? Mm. <laughs> Not in a healthy... Like, I don't, milk. You, you can't drink that one. Yeah, okay. I'll put Curdle milk a in bit it. of milk in there. Oh, I'll just put some yogurt in it. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, just chuck some yogurt in it. Perfect. Okay, great. And then I'll you just... You could. What about semen? Uh, what about them? Yeah, they can order the drinks, I guess. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I just want to double check that everybody's. In, I don't exclude based be on occupation. Um, and I'll put little American flag uh, on toothpicks in it as well. Instead of umbrellas, I'll put little American flags. That's beautiful. That'll be nice. Awesome. All right, Dave, you ready to welcome in this week's? inductees into the club. Are you feeling supported and loved, Dave? No, I'm not feeling supported and or loved. Can I get some pre-hype going here? Of course you can. From both of you. Dave, you do a great job. I think you... Actually, do you know what, Dave? Do you know what I can do that can actually help you? Is I can shut him down. Matt... Matt. I don't want to break Matt, kayfabe here. Look at me. Dave, I'm just... I'm doing a bit. I think you do fine work. Thank it's you. not as bad as I make out. It's pretty bad. But it's not he's, that bad. He's... Just unstoppable. Somebody's a bit of a grump today. I think he's got his period. <laughs> so I'm going to read, read some out. names, you miserable fuck. All right, here we go. First up from your mum's butt in Brighton in Great Britain, it's Mr. Heggie. Mr. Heggie, doing an eggy with Heggie. Yeah, yeah. with Heggie. Welcome, Mr. Heggie, all the way from your mum's butt. Oh, we love so you. good to have you, Mr. Heggie. He's done so much great artwork for us. Did, was it last year's Christmas card or the year, year yes, before? Yes, it was last maybe? year before. Year before, so yeah. Love Mr. Heggie's work. Big, big fan. I'm um, looking at one of his stickers on the back of Dave's computer right now. There's one on Jess's computer as well. Yeah, I've got one too. Oh, shit. Mine says, life sucks. <laughs> I'd also love to thank from Tainmouth. I think it's Tinmouth. Tinmouth in Devon. Tainmouth in Devon. Come on, come on. Tainmouth and Dove. We've lost him. This could take a while. Tainmouth. How do you do it in Devon accent? Devon. sure. Oh, he's knows you. I'm going to combine Orister. Apples and... All right. Um, from <laughs> Tinmouth in Devon, Great Britain, it's Alex Mallon. Oh, Ooh. more like from Windmouth. Yes. Because yes. we're win, win, win it. Windmouth. Oh, and I bet Alex does scones the right way. Cream, cream first in Devon. It's the Devonshire way. And finally from New Farm in a great spot in Brisbane in Queensland, Australia, it's Murray Somerville. Oh, I thought Holy tonight. shit, another one of our... He did our... Christmas cards last yeah. year. How weird is that? It's amazing. Two of the artists that we love so so much. And I thought tonight, honestly, I looked out, thought this this could be the first bad night we've had in ages. This mm. could be a Bummerville. But then I saw Murray <laughs> Somerville, and everything got better. Woo! Thank you so much, Murray. You do have fantastic artwork. You can also purchase uh, stickers and a jumper uh, of our merch that Murray has designed. That's sick. Just so pretty cool. freaking so cool. cool. That's freaking cool. Love Thank that. you so much, Murray, Alex, and Mr. Heggie. 
Uh, that, well, that brings us to the end of the freaking show. Anything we need to tell people, Jess, Bob Perkins? But uh, you just let them know about Snickers. Yeah, we've definitely got some merch available. If you want to go check that out, you can find the link on our website, dogoonpod.com. It's also on our socials as well. And our socials are dogoonpod. Um, and you can suggest a topic also at our website or in a link in the show notes. Hell yeah. Could have said it better myself. Thank you. Dave. Boot this baby home. Hey, we'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, I will say thank you so much for listening. And until then, goodbye. Later. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 